Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Operation Limitless. I'm Brett Lechtenberg. I'm here with Mark Peterson, Bill Schiffenauer, and Sal Rosano. This is oh, it's throwing gang signs already. Uh, <laughs> this is the show we hear directly from people who are in the top 1% in the world at what they do. We focus on how average people ended up achieving incredible triumphs through confidence, grit, determination, and a quest for personal mastery. The goal is to take the commonalities of these incredible human beings and build a model from which others can live from. And today we have the honor of being with Jamie Linker, and I'm going to turn the time over to Mark. So they are friends, and um, let him introduce her and, and start us off. So, Mark, the floor is yours. So Jamie and I are friends, but that's the wrong way to introduce the two of us. I, I would put it to where Jamie is my hero, and I'm like in the shadow of her wings all the time. Okay. I have had the opportunity to have had my ass kicked by Jamie in so many events, um, Spartan races, agogies, um, canyoneering. All right. So just a short story about this chick. She likes to do hard and stupid things. Sweet. So we're, we're canyoneering and Bill, um, or excuse me, Brett, I took you through Keyhole Canyon. Yep. It's narrow. Mm-hmm. You're rappelling down um, heights. You're squeezing through little spaces. You're swimming down canals. <clears throat> Me and you had a great time doing that. Mm-hmm. I take Jamie through. She decides to drag a log through the canyon. Why? It wasn't hard enough. Okay. She wanted to challenge. She wanted to do something additional. She comes up here to the cabin, and we're all working. And I'm like, where the heck is Jamie? She's dragging logs and stacking them other places. I, I don't know. My stack wasn't nice enough. I don't know. She's just finding hard things to do. And that's probably the easiest way to, uh, to introduce Jamie is life already throws enough challenges at people. But Jamie decides that when life gets hard, she will make her life harder so that when she stops doing the ridiculous thing, life all of a sudden seems really easy. And if you had to describe Jamie, that's her. Like that. Well, she just, in addition to all this other stuff, and I'll let her tell her story as to why, but she just rode across um, transatlantic. Um, one of the first uh, two man, woman, and, and men team um, to do this. She rode 12 hour shifts for 51 days, maybe? Uh, 51, two on, two off, yep. Two hours on, two hours off. So she rode 12 hours a day. Uh, this no. is, I mean, when, when do you get eight hours of sleep when you know your shift is up in two hours? 51 days. When do you get. No, never got eight hours of sleep in 51 days. Meanwhile, rowing is hard enough. Sit on a rower for two hours, do that. Go do your whatever else you got to do, and then get back on the rower for two hours and do that. Try doing that for a 24-hour period. That's hard enough. But in her two hours, she still has to eat, tie herself to a tether, jump off the ship, go to the bathroom, God knows what's in the water, sharks, uh, barracuda, uh, jellyfish, whatever. Pulls herself back in, climbs up onto the boat. She has to desalinate the water so that they have water to drink. They have to check all the power on all the solar devices. She's pumping bilge out of the boat. She's journaling, eating. And then, oh, she might sleep for 15, 20 minutes of that. Only to get back up on that on that boat. I don't know how many tubes of desitin a person goes through because they're sitting on their ass in a saltwater thing for for two hours on, two hours off. But um, you you get very very saddle sore if you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then you put all that together with trying to navigate. You got meteorology concerns. The storm might blow them off course. Now they're not just rowing to get to where they're going. Now they get back on course. So they might spend two to four hours just getting back where they started because the wind took them another direction. So all that being said, that's one hell of an accomplishment. 
but we're talking to a crazy person who wants to now go across the Pacific and then go across the Indian Ocean. So I'm not really sure what category we're going to put this podcast into, if it's going to be like the, the crazy people category. The WTF. Or the category, or the category of, um, you know, you say 1%, but I think this is like the 1% of the 1%. Absolutely. I'm super honored to introduce Jamie. Uh, take it away, Jamie. Awesome. No, thanks, Mark. Um, probably the best intro I'm ever going to get in my life. So I've always said if I needed a, a cheerleader, it would for sure be Mark. So I don't think anyone loves me as much as Mark. And I just feel the same about him. We have really done a lot in our, gosh, how long has it been? Seven years now? Seven, seven years? Yeah, such a short time. I know, and it feels like we've just been, you know, just super, super close, like forever. So it's fantastic. Um, and it's actually because of this other crazy human that I even got into ocean rowing. Um, we did a Nagogi together, uh, O2 class uh, in Vermont. And afterwards, he makes a post on Facebook like, hey, you know, how about, how about we go and do this transatlantic crossing and I was like, ooh, I reached out to him instantly and said, hey, Mark, ooh, can I, can I please be on the team? <laughs> and he was like, of course, yes, you can. Um, and so that was supposed to be in 2017. A few years later, a few years had gone by. Um, it's really hard to get teams together that want to stay and actually do it. Um, we had several people lined up. Originally, two whole teams that we were yeah, trying to get. Yep, two teams. We couldn't get a boat was the biggest problem at that time. Because nope. the major boat manufacturer that ran off boats was like, um, you know, they had a used boat somewhere in Delaware or something and we had to go. I don't, I don't remember. It was we couldn't get a boat. We couldn't get two boats for sure. Nope. And so then we started trying to figure out who would do it, who wouldn't. Well, then, you know, as people, you know, do life happens. Right. So it's like, oh, well, I can't do it now. So it just kept getting put off, put off, put off. And. You know, I'm no spring chicken anymore um, at the age, ripe old age of 34 at this point. So um, in 2020, 2020 or 2019, I had reached out to the race director um, and was like, hey, we've been talking about this for years. We've been in communication. I really want to do this. Is there like an alternate list of some, you know, to get me on a team if, you know, someone has a need? And she said, yes, Jamie, actually put me in contact with my teammate um, for the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. His name is Dave, um, and he's from the UK. And we partnered up, and um, I went to live with him for a month in 2022, or no, 2021, right in May. Um, and we rode in December, so we didn't really know each other. Um, we spent a little bit of time, and then we were, you know, in La Gomera, getting ready to go on probably the biggest adventure of our lives. So it was um, a crazy trip to get there. And then on top of that, my cause for rowing is eating wait, disorder. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, oh. Don't say it. Okay. It's, it's very important that we tie the cause to another major obstacle that you had to overcome. And you just mentioned that race director. Yep. That race director ended up being arguably one of the largest obstacles of you even doing the race, right? So yeah. you are you're championing a cause of eating disorder, and you have had uh, that battle for quite some time. So you eat special foods. Yes. And they have to be of a specific... Uh, nutritional value and home prepared. It can't have <clears throat> ingredients, some certain ingredients. So you cannot buy off the shelf dehydrated foods like every of the other racers that you did. So Jamie is preparing for herself all of the food that she would need for 51 days. Plus you have to have an entire set of backup food for 51 days. Plus, you have to have whatever food you're going to eat during the ramp up uh, or you're waiting, what you're going to eat in Antigua when you get there and all this stuff. And she has to spend that ahead of time to the race. Uh, 
If I'm not wrong, I think it was a whole month, right? Ahead of time. Uh, uh, we had to actually ship it. Um, it was supposed to be September 23rd to so October 1st. We, I had to send it by in order to get on the boat, which is essentially two months before the race started. Okay, so two months ahead of time, all this food has to be in the hands of the race director's crew so they can make sure. I mean, they don't want to put people in danger and not have the right stuff, but none of those guys are nutritionists either. And so they're looking at Jamie's stuff going, this isn't enough. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to We can't do this. She'll, she can't support herself. Um, and this race is 100% unsupported. If you're not like there's a boat following you making sure that you're okay and there's extra supplies and extra batteries and stuff, you can't even have contact with another boat. You can't touch another boat. Another boat can't anchor to you or tie to you. In any way, you cannot. If they threw a piece of uh, candy over to the boat and it landed in the boat, you would be disqualified because you got support. And so they didn't let Jay, they would not let Jamie do it. They would not let him do it. Plus, the shipping problems, um, trying to get this to the location in time and all that. Anyway, I don't want to belabel the story, but the largest obstacle she had was even getting on that damn boat. That said, Jamie, um, talk about the whole uh, eating disorder thing and what you're doing this for. Yeah, no, and that is all true. Um, this was the first time in race history that they've had to have someone make their own food. And um, because, like Mark said, I have struggled for a very long time, uh, 23 years now, which is, you know, two, over two-thirds of my life, I have dealt with uh, managing an eating disorder and so <clears throat> despite all the events that I do anyway, you know, I always have to be that person that brings my own food. I have to really work hard to prepare and source ingredients. Um, so it makes it really challenging. It makes it hard for training in general, um, just having an eating disorder and, you know, not being able to eat certain foods, having the availability, especially going to other countries when you get there. Um, it, the, whole, the whole thing managing um, just in normal life, like when COVID happened, which is why we couldn't get the shipping, which is why so many things we couldn't get the, you know, we couldn't get some of the ingredients because there's only a couple um, suppliers in the entire country that make some of those ingredients and they, we couldn't get them, you know, so there were shortages. So then it's like, what do you do since I can only eat certain things? Um, luckily, uh, Nutristore Foods is the largest dehydration company in the world and they um they're the ones that i got my food from last year and they are sponsoring me by giving me all of my food it actually is arriving today um to make for this event and uh they will sponsor me for any of my events going forward to ensure that i have food and don't have to keep facing that issue because sourcing it's hard you know in other countries they i can't just go and get the yogurt i eat i can't just go and get you know they don't have a lot of the produce and stuff that i'm accustomed to so it makes it really hard to be able to eat unless I bring my own food. And um, like I said, this was the first time in racing history that someone had to do this. And um, the coolest thing, though, so they made it really hard, really hard. It was by the skin on my teeth, right, that it barely made, like within minutes, barely made the boat to get shipped in time. Otherwise, I would not have been able to row in the um, event last year. And... You know, when we got there and they did all the inspections, you know, like I sent them all my breakdown of food, you know, and um, they're like, okay, whatever, it's Jamie's food. Um, but when I got off the boat in Antigua, um, the same race, um, the safety head safety officer, um, he took me aside and uh, was like, Jamie, you look better than I've ever seen. He's like, how did you do this? He's like, I want to look at your nutrition again, because I have never seen this. Like, this is amazing. Um, and it really was that kind of full circle of getting pounded and just told that no one believed in, in me, like that I could do it because with my eating and all the struggles there and then getting off the boat, losing the least amount of weight, um, which I had actually anticipated. I had guessed how much I was probably going to lose on the entire crossing, which most people lose like an average of 30 pounds. I lost eight. And I knew that that's probably around what I'd lose. And it was, it was exactly eight pounds that I had lost. And they were just so impressed with 
how well I knew myself and how clean my diet was that it now they are now recommending and they're using me as um, a name to tell other teams that are, you know, have food issues. Hey, please go reach out to Jamie. This is what she did. You know, they, we have these safety calls and they bring that up like, Hey, you know, there is another way now. And so they do send people my way. And um, because of all these things, um, mainly, you know, helping people, you know, that's what I do is I help people all over the world um, with eating disorders. So they don't have to go through what I have and they can find a way to do things, you know, without these limitations. And so I have people now who reach out and I custom make, make for them dehydrated meals that are specific for them, depending on whatever issue they have, whether it is an eating disorder or if they have like gout or if, you know, they have high blood pressure, whatever it is that they can't, or they're just allergic to things. I now custom make their dehydrated food so they can go and do whatever they want, you know, and they can take their food with them. So um, it's really a good cause. And that's, like I said, that's what we're raising money for. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to keep trying to educate people and get them the help and resources so they can uh, achieve their dreams, really. Nice. That's awesome. Jamie, I'm going to ask you a question before I get like overrun, but um, it, you know, when, when things I've done in my life that have been kind of difficult, people always ask like, how'd you get through it? But they never asked me why I did it. And that's what I want to ask you. Like, what is it? What is it that said, I want to go row across an ocean. <laughs> I mean, like what is, what was your driving motivation, right? Like what was it that said, I'm going to push myself to an uncomfortable thing for this reason. If you can answer that for me. Oh, of course. Uh, that's actually pretty, that's a pretty easy question, which um, I love because uh, I'm stubborn and I like pushing myself to where I should not be able to complete something. So on top of my eating disorder, I have severe asthma and I was born that way. Um, so normally I have only 67% of my lung capacity. Um, and then I'm on so many medications, but um, after COVID it took even more and I've had it four times. So now I have, oh, I have not very much lung capacity left. So you take that and you take eating disorders and, you know, people never, never thought I would do really anything after my last eating disorder that almost killed me when I was 19 and they didn't know if I'd have a job, let alone do something super physical like I do now. And so really I found, you know, started racing because like small stuff, like did five K's at first, but the neck, and that was boring to me. So the next thing, biggest thing is like ultra running. Well, my lungs couldn't do it. So that's when I found OCR because it breaks up the running. And I'm like, Ooh, that's exactly what I love. I love hard things, mix it in with a little bit of this and that it's perfect. And then I'm like, well, that's, they're super fun, but I'm like, it's not, I want more. I want to keep pushing myself to hit that threshold to see this is where I should be breaking. This is where my diet should be failing. This is where my training should be failing. This is where my brain is going to fail me or my lungs. And then it's like, I want to hit that point and then find how I can push past that. Cause yeah. in that, that is the only way I can help other people is by putting myself in the, in the ringer to do the research myself so I can be that advocate for others and be like, hey, I know a million ways how it's not going to work. But if you, you know, want something bad enough, you're going to find that one way to make it work. So that's really why I do it is I like the push. I like the challenge. And I like to be able to be that person, that role model for others that says, I've done it. I found a way. How can I help you find your way? So if I understand you correctly, you got these conditions and you're like, they're not stopping me. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like things telling me I can't do something. That's usually it. the <laughs> biggest I thing. It. I love it. <laughs> Jamie, let me ask you this. What was everybody that's, a, that plays on the outer perimeter of what's possible for themselves always seem to have a defining moment. What was your defining moment that said, okay, I've got to step out of this life to go to this life or step out of this person I'm being now to go to the, this next person. What was your defining moment or do you have one? Um, yeah, I would say it was probably the last hospitalization <clears throat> when I was 19. Um, I was, I got down to 67 pounds wow. 
so it's quite drastic, you know, I mean, I had a lot of health, like heart attacks. Um, like, um, I had like was suffering from hypothermia. Um, if I re if I started to re eat too quickly, I would die from re eating syndrome because my body was failing. And so it was at that time that I was like, I just need to, you know, eat to get out of here and then I can do what I want, you know, but, um, that time I was sick for different reasons. I essentially chose not to eat because I could be more productive if I didn't spend all that time eating, you know, cause it takes a lot of time, which it is logical, but it is not smart. It doesn't work that way. And now I just found how not, you know, that I have to eat, you know, I, to me, it's a learning lesson. And so it was that defining moment. It's like, I don't want to be here again. I want to experience my life and because I found out how quickly it could be taken from me. Um, and so then it was just, I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm not going to have regrets. I don't believe in them. So that's when it's like, I just find something I want to do and then I just go do it. So that's kind of, that's what it, that's what it was. Wow. Can you, can you share, if you don't have to, what was your eating? What was your eating disorder? It sounds like maybe there's a few of them. Can you, are you comfortable sharing some of that? Oh yeah. Um, so it, mainly my, my drug of choice, as they say, it would be anorexia. I restrict food, um, which is funny because if you ever saw how much I actually eat, you'd be like, goodness gracious, how could that be? Because I eat so much food, but it just takes a lot of the food I eat, you know? Um, but yeah, so I was anorexic and then um, uh, by going I mean the mentality and stuff that's the problem that's the part that has changed over time at the beginning I was actually afraid of food and it's what I call the active you know eating disorder mentality where I was afraid to even eat a, a piece of gum because it has five calories in it it got to those type of extremes um and then over time it's just more or less you know with training I know I have to eat so much in order to do what I want but it's a very fine line of too much and too little so it is a it is a daily challenge I mean that I fight every day like am I going to eat enough today um you know is is it going to win today some days it does but um over the course of these 23 years I've also found what my trigger is and if I go 3 days without eating I know my mindset starts changing back into that active um, fear in an eating disorder. So with that knowledge, you know, it kind of keeps me in my boundary where I, I don't think I'm ever going to be one of those people that gets over it because it is an addiction in and of itself. It just becomes something you have to manage. And I've been doing really good for, gosh, what, oh, 16, like almost, uh, almost 15 years now. So that's really exciting. Good for you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, hey, Jamie, I got a question for you. It's kind of a two-part question. It's it's almost a question I ask across the board just because in today's day and age, we have a, a, a real serious issue problem globally with people that are wanting this instant gratification in everything they do. Um, they want to be the leader. They want to be the boss um, without putting the work in. Um, and, and hats off to you for what you've been doing. I, I get the whole um, bringing your food with you. As, as an Olympian, people thought we were crazy back then because we would bring our own food with us. We'd bring our own Shark Ninja. We'd bring our own food processor. And people are like, what are you doing? We're like, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you've been training for years and, and providing yourself a specific nutritional habit, you know, and to go overseas and switch that up. That's, that's a huge, huge, like issue in, in your training and your mindset. Right. So obviously you've, you've overcome a lot of stuff and there's a lot of people out there around the world that utilize their um, hurdles in life for an excuse for a failure. Um, if you would talk about the importance of your preparation before you do one of these events um, cause it's so, you know, it's interesting. You get a lot of people like, Oh, I could do that. I could do that. And, and they talk the talk, but they don't really know what it looks like to walk the walk. So talk about like what, how important it is for you to actually walk that walk and the preparation before you even get into the water to go across the freaking ocean in a boat, 
holy shit. <laughs> like that's just so freaking amazing and monumental. But talk to those people out there that might be listening that like, you know, instant gratification is not, you know, this doesn't work, you know, so. No, and you're very, you're very right, Bill. It, it doesn't work. You know, I mean, if you're wanting to just be like, oh yeah, I can, you know, that's why people say you don't go uh, sit on the couch and go run a marathon. That's when people their hearts, you know, collapse, their lungs collapse, they break something. I mean, your body physically <clears throat> is not ready to do that, especially something like this. I mean, you're training on out on the water. You don't get sleep as Mark expressed. You know, I think I got an average of maybe 45 to 50 minutes when I had my two hours off in order to sleep. That's it. So you don't get sleeping time, right? You, your food, you're always malnutrition, you know, uh, malnourished because you can't eat enough for what you're doing out there. Otherwise you'd be eating the entire day and you need to be rowing. So that's a thing. So you're sleep deprived, you're malnourished, you know, you're in the elements all the time. So you're in that sun, you're in the, the water, the weather, you know, whatever you're soaking wet half the time, you know, for about a week straight, we didn't have dry clothes. And that was mild conditions compared to what we could have seen. And so it really is just looking at, okay, these are all the elements that I'm going to be facing. One, before I even went to live with my teammate for the um, Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge last year in, in 2021 in May, I had never seen one of these boats. We don't really have them in America. And that's why, like, when I row the Pacific this year, I will be the first U.S. female to have rowed both of these oceans. It's because it's not a thing over here. It's very, it's becoming more and more so, but we just don't have that knowledge. And so, you, like, one, how, how do you prepare yourself for something you've never done, that you've never seen, that you just don't even know? And it really just comes down to what the first thing you have to do is make a choice. Everything in your life is a choice, you know, from the words I'm saying today, um, from my actions later today, you know, from what I wake up and, you know, what my routine is. It literally is a choice and you have to make that choice and make it every single day. So it's that consistent choice that you're making, whether it being me with my food, I have to eat. I mean, I train a lot. I train usually six to eight hours a day. Um, and that's a mixture of, you know, just um, like, I don't know. I go, I go to the gym. Uh, I'll cycle on occasion. Haven't done that recently. Uh, we'll go rock climbing one day a week. I'll go dancing. Um, I do yoga. I do Muay Thai. I do boxing. Like it is a multitude of different um, trainings. And I do that every single day, despite if I'm going to be racing or not. Because for me, a race can come up like this. And I'm too eager to always be like, oh, yes, pick me because I'm that human. And you always just have to, for me, I always have to be ready. So I can't ever not, I can't ever not be in shape to be able to do whatever at any time when it comes available. But also with my eating, I have to make a choice to, to train and do those things in order for me to eat. So this is a daily thing. Like I said, for 23 years, 23 years, I've been doing this. I didn't get to where I am overnight. Cause like I said, I used to be afraid of a stick of gum and now I'm going to be the statistic for females in our country, right? Like it's a huge, it's a huge thing that I'm about to go accomplish. Um, and I couldn't have done that if it, if I would have done it right out of the hospital, you know? So it really is every day you wake up, you make that choice. Some days, like I said, my eating disorder wins or I'm just lazy. I'm going to be honest. Some days I don't win because I can't, like I'm too tired after working, you know, my jobs, jobs. working out. Five jobs probably right now. <laughs> hey, I cut it down. It's not that many right now. <laughs> but yes, multiple jobs, you know, and my big thing is family. And, you know, my family is my friends and my family. Um, and so whenever they call, like, say, Mark, if he's like, Jamie, I need you here tomorrow. Oh, you bet I'm going to be there tomorrow. You know, drop whatever I'm doing. And that will hinder my training. That hinders the goal. But to me, you have to allow for those days when life happens and there are more important things than that, you know? So to me, that instant gratification is it's a work in progress every day because you can't be perfect every single day and you have to adapt for those days and just know it's going to take time. But luckily, over time, as you stay consistent with the on and off and, you know, you do your best, you're just going to be better than you were, you know, 23 years ago. 
So, Jamie, tell us, hey, tell our Jamie, audiences. I, I'm sorry, somebody else have a question? Sal was chiming in. Oh, so there's a You know, know Jamie. Sal. I don't know Jamie, so I get to ask. <laughs> okay. Jamie, I think what you're doing is incredible. I, I like my hat's off to you because I don't know if I could ever do that. And I, I think I've done some hard things, but that sounds like way too hard for me. But um, there, there's a mental health aspect that's associated with eating disorders. And I don't know if you suffer from that and you don't even mean to answer that question, but pardon me. Like for people out there right now that are kind of having a mental health issue associated with uh, health issues, like what what advice would you give them to to help move past that? I mean, you you sound like you have an incredible amount of energy to you, and also a very positive outlook on everything, as well as accepting what is going on with you without letting it stop you. Like, what advice would you give people out there that are in a similar situation, but without your resolve? Does that make sense? Yep. No, that makes sense, and um, that is a really good question. Uh, I think my advice would just be, you know, it's the scariest thing for anyone to obviously one, admit you have a problem. That's what they always say. Hardest thing, admit you have a problem. But to me, it's not even the admitting you have a problem. It's taking action. You have to be willing to do the work, you know, and it's going to be hard and you're going to have to know you have hard days ahead of you. It's like you said, we didn't get there overnight, but when you're struggling, sometimes you don't feel that you can see an end. I mean, it, it, you know, there's so much going on in everyday life and the stresses of everything outside, right? Outside of just you, which come down onto you and then affect you not only what's internally, but it's just all these other factors. And so you really just have to be aware and be honest with yourself and say, okay, I don't want to do this anymore, or I do need to get help, or I just need, I need to be real with myself. And then I need to put an action plan in place. Even if that's like someone struggling with food, I'm going to eat one apple today. Cool. Set a very small obtainable goal. That's, you know, the first set of action is, you know, obviously, you know, you have a problem. Most people, I mean, if you're honest with yourself, you know, you have a problem um, or, you know, get advice from other people. If then, you know, feedback, no, you do have a problem. Listen, and then just take that and put small goals in place. And then over time, you know, it will start getting better, at least on that one goal, start small, and then you can have something bigger, you know, now it's going to be, oh, I can have a piece of bread and an apple, or, you know, I want to go run a marathon, but you know, I barely even get off the couch. It's like, okay, so today I walked, you know, I walked a mile, you know, you know, next week, maybe I'll walk 1.1 miles, you know, it doesn't need to be a lot. Any sort of action will essentially give you those endorphins the dopamine rushes that you need, it will start changing your brain, which will start showing you more so you can be more honest and then seek the outlets that you're probably going to need to seek once you're ready to acknowledge more of the issue. But you can't, most people can't do that right away. You have to take those small steps, which will then make your brain healthy, healthier to be able to seek the outlets that are going to be appropriate for you. Yeah. to ultimately put a bigger plan in place. And, and I love that because I think our previous guest said the same thing, small steps to start off. But the one thing that I really, truly love besides Mark, Mark, I do love you, um, <laughs> is you said something that is extremely, extremely hard and at the same time powerful. People have to ask for help if they can't do it on their own. And I think that's that's something we have to recognize that is not a weakness. If anything, it's it's extremely you're extremely strong to know that, Hey, I need help. You know, it takes a strong person to do that. So thank you, Mark. I do love you. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I really wanted to talk to Jamie. No, Not no you. I, I, my question's really, uh, more probably an emotional one because, you know, no doubt Jamie had to make a lot of sacrifices to get where she's at. And so maybe she can talk a little bit about that, <clears throat> but, you're you had this goal right you got on this boat and you I, I gotta get to antigua i gotta get to antigua you set antigua in your gps system in your navigation system right because you have this and of yep. course solar, <clears throat> solar powers are charging the batteries the whole time you're so you're constantly cleaning all the solar panels to make sure everything's working right 
that you have enough battery power to get to where you're going, not just for desalination, but for everything else. You got this little blip and you're rowing every day towards the blip or away from the blip or, you know, trying to make sure you're there. Day 51 comes and you arrive. Talk about that. What did you feel? Um, probably one of the best moments of your life. I mean, I'm very cliche, but it's true um, in the sense. So when we got there, it was so funny. So my family came, so did Dave, his family came, a lot of people's family came. Um, I kind of told my parents they had to come, Um, but they wouldn't want to miss it because it's a really big deal. And they hadn't seen me for almost two months. So of course they're going to be there, but it's not like they don't get it. They don't get my racing. Uh, they never, I mean, they're supportive, but they don't understand. And so a lot of them had fears of me going, did not want me doing this race for a multitude of reasons, fears of the eating, fear of me getting off that boat, being emaciated. My, my mom was honestly tr- thought she'd go down there to take me home and like make, have to take care of me because I'd be so sick. That's the mindset, you know? So when I knew that's not going to be the thing. Um, and when we were rowing around um, the island and stuff, they're there to be supportive. I'm like, this is so cool. Cause I mean, they're there to actually see what I do and it, to share that with them after all these years and the worry and things like that, like really big. And so as we're coming in, like it's dark, you're coming around these, uh, these other little islands and there's a whole lot of ins and outs, like just the um, uh, crevices of the islands. And you're like, well, is that where we turn into? Wait, is that where we turn into? Because you can't see anything. Right. And so once we get closer to Nelson's uh, Harbor, you can we see this light, and it's a red light. And I'm like, ooh, I think that might be might be it. But I'm rowing backwards because you row backwards. So Dave is like rowing, then he stands up and looks, and rows and stands up and looks. You know, so we can try and see where we're going. And it was about that time we get a phone call, or no. We, we actually first, before the phone call, we heard pots and pans. And I asked Dave, I said, is that, or is that really pots and pans? And he's like, I think so. You could hear the ruckus and the cheering from the people on the overlook watching us come in at two o'clock in the morning. So super cool. Um, and then we're like, okay. And then right after that, we get a phone call from the head safety officer. And uh, he's like, hey, you're here. This is what you're going to do. You're going to first see the Coast Guard. They're going to give you instructions. You have to pay attention because the water moves so quickly. If you don't turn and get in, you're going to pass us. Like, and you, you know, so we're like, you don't want to do that. So here comes the Coast Guard. They swirl you and you're like, oh, great. We're here. But I mean, you still have to row in and it's a lot of work. Yeah. And so, and I was on the oars. So Dave was manually having to turn us, um, steer us in because we were, we were going too far out and we, um, and so he was steering us and I was rowing and then here comes the media boat and, you know, they're all going around you taking photos, videos, like yelling at you, like, Hey, you have to do this, like pay attention, you know? So you're, you're just a multitude of emotions, like trying to know what they're telling you to do on top of just being happy to be almost off that damn boat on top of, you know, just everything. Like, thank gosh, this is almost over. Um, and uh, I don't want to miss the Island, you know, all the things. And so it was about that time, you know, the, race director um we were about to cross the finish and he was just like you know give it all you got and I'm like I'm tired okay like great so you know I do I row as fast as I can like I'm going and I'm, I'm like off my seat like trying to pull and uh we cross the finish and you know we light our torches and it was amazing and you know you hear your family and stuff and uh we get off the boat and um most people can't walk and stuff and I just get off the boat and I'm like I'm good you know <laughs> I feel like I'm ready to just go be off and I didn't really have any issues, which was nice. Um, but it was just really funny because, you know, like I asked my family later, you know, after we did our interview and stuff and I'm like, who had the pots? And my dad's like, oh, that was me. I'm like, of course it was. <laughs> and they were just so happy and seeing my parents and uh, Matthew, my partner, um, it was having them there. It, I can't, it was so, it was probably the best feeling with that. And then there were a couple other teams. Um, one of them, which um, I became really good friends with from le- leading yoga. Um, when I was over in the Lagomera before the race, they got, they had got there. They were on a th- uh, three man team and one and two of the ladies were there and uh, they came to see us in. they'd gotten in a couple days prior, but just a couple hours before um, race uh, team row for hope, 
Ben from that team, he actually came down to see me come in. And I mean, just the support you get, you know, like I felt like I was part of their team. Um, and it was just, I can't, the, um, just the pride and um, getting back on land and being like, you know, and then the rate, the safety director telling me that about my food and how great I came off the boat. It was just really that perfect everything was just perfect. You know, it was, it was great. So what's next? How can people help you get to there? Yes, that is, that is a great question. Can great question. Follow you? Like, can you, can, can, like we watch a blip on a map as you roll across the Pacific? You can, you can. See the blip disappear when the shark eats you? <laughs> no, that's not happening. Um, but yes, uh, our team, Aloha Kai, we are a mixed pair team and we are rowing the Pacific on June 12th of this year from Mon Monterey to Kauai. And on the YB Race Tracker app, you can download that and you can watch all of our boats as we cross the Pacific. And it will tell you our average knots that we're making. It will tell you what place we're in. It will tell you how close we are to other boats. Um, and it will tell you like our average miles for the day and, um, things like that so it's super cool we'd love for you guys to follow us and uh you guys can always donate to our amazing causes um one of them is uh eating disorder awareness obviously and uh the other one is okaizu which is um the organization for childhood cancer and how many people you, you alluded to as number of teams going across the atlantic with you at the same time different numbers of peoples etc how many teams are rowing from uh, from America to, or from the continental U.S. to Hawaii when you do this? How many besides you? I think. Oh, we're on say sixteen teams. Wow. No. There's only one other pairs team in this event, though. How many? Let me go back then again. How many people, or how many teams, I guess, started with uh, with you when you did the previous run? And how many made it? Um, so last year uh, in the TWAC 2021, all but one boat. So there were 36 of us and 35 teams finished. Um, one of them got injured within a couple miles after the start, slipped and fell. Um, and uh, so they had to medically uh, take him out. But every, And he was a soloist. But yeah, there were 35 teams that finished last year. It seems like a really high percentage given how difficult that task is. So that's pretty amazing. For the Atlantic, it is a very high percentage. Um, uh, Atlantic campaigns have been doing that race for many, many years. This in the in uh, June, the Pacific will be the Pacific Challenge will be Atlantic campaigns first um, race in the states, and they are not anticipating a very high um, success rate. At this time, um, the Pacific waters are, this is a different beast. They've had over 200 attempts to cross um, the Pacific. And I think there's only been like 40 some successful. And how many days are you anticipating this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, so it took 52 days to do this one. And that was, uh, that was fast, right? How many days is it going to take? to get from uh, estimate what's the estimate um the atlantic is 3000 miles and we ended up going over 3100 um just because the route that it was um this year um the pacific is 2800 miles um we're anticipating because of like the first month of this they're telling us it's going to be extremely cold and wet the first 10 days they say are going to be absolute misery um so that can either mean we're going to have fast storms that push us or we could have to be on para anchor and we could be going backwards. We could be stalled. We could, we could have a lot of, we could be going really slow if we just hit a lot of storms. So it could, I am guessing it's going to be anywhere between 45 and 60 days. Wow. That sounds really challenging. I'm not, I'm not encouraged for me to go sign up for this. Right? <laughs> well, you should. It's, it's amazing. I mean, best 60 days <laughs> I can say I've spent on a boat. <laughs> I got another really short two-part question. Um, when you're out there in the middle of the ocean, so I have I am afraid of sharks. 
long story behind that, but that's like my biggest fear of going in the ocean. Um, but what was your biggest fear while you're out there in the middle of the ocean? Um, and then also, what is your model that you live by that you, you would love to live, leave with everyone else? Um, well, I guess fear, uh, I don't really have one um, out on the water because you don't think of that. I mean, if we got into a situation there was a situation this year in the um, the Atlantic crossing where a boat capsized. It did not self-right. They had to go underneath the boat for hours in order to get the life raft out of its compartment. They had to stay in that till they were rescued by another boat. I'd say that scenario is probably now my greatest fear. Um, I don't want to get stuck in our, our life raft. I really don't want to be in the water. <laughs> so I tried to stay in the boat. Um, so that's, you know, but as long as I'm in the boat, I don't really have a fear, you know, because um, you don't, your brain doesn't have time to think about that. Because I don't like sharks. I don't like things like that. But I don't know, for some reason, it makes you feel safe. So I just, I'm kind of an out of sight, out of mind. I'm like, I've got a, a task at hand. This is my task to do. This is what I'm going to be. You know, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm focusing on. Um, and um, gosh, uh, a motto. Um, like a model or a quote, or is there anything that you tell yourself all the time that just keeps your mind right and keeps you pushing forward? Mine is be like Jamie. So yeah, man. that's what I, I was going to adopt that one too. I was so. going to get a shirt made. I think. Yeah. So. Please do. I, that would be amazing. Um, honestly, I, I, to me, it's, it's just me. Like, um, I'm just like this. You know, you set your mind to it. Like, there's no quit. You don't, you don't have an option in my brain. So I, that's just. I, I actually love the fact that you said it's just me because the reality is the battles that we deal with in life, it is just us, right? So, yeah, hats off. Like I'm, you know, Mark told us about who you were before this, um, and, and it's so different to hear, yeah, somebody went across the ocean, right? But when you hear the story, like I, I'm honestly getting emotional inside listening to you because I know what it's what it takes to take on a feat like that and overcome so much to achieve what to might be some people so little. Like you said, your parents don't understand what that's like. And I had the same thing with me, you know, competing in Olympics. I literally had family members tell me like they thought I was selfish and they don't understand why would you even do that? Why would you leave your family? So again my 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 greatest like hats off to you and respect to who you are and what you do so thank you no thanks by the way she is a chapter in my book so jamie i have a, another question for you. this will be my last one i promise um <laughs> it's it's uh when did you when did you determine you had some kind of special skills for endurance events because it's not something that i would naturally think that uh, having an eating disorder, all of a sudden you would realize, huh, I, I, I can do a nagogi. I can cross the water. I, what, when did you realize you had a special skill? Because it, oh it, it is a true gift, right? It is. I guess I don't, I don't think of it like that. Like I said, it's just I put my mind to something and I'm like, oh, why can't I do this? And I'm like, I can do that. So I just go do it. <laughs> I, I, just, I guess I haven't encountered something where I've ever got to a point, which is again, why I'm seeking out, like there are some other things coming up um, in 2024 and 2025 that are um, a couple other world record attempts that I'm going to try. And if I finish them, I will be the only person to have ever done them. So uh, big things, but to me, it's like, I probably shouldn't be able to do them. I don't think I'm, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the best at endurance. I mean, like Mark Peterson, God, everyone wants to be him, but if one day I could be that good. Right. But it's just like, it's, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to try it. And why can't I? So I think that's, that's really all it is, is I don't, I don't think I'm anything special. I just, once I put my brain to something, I just do it. <laughs> so when I say Jamie is the poster child for Spartan Agogi. Oh, here is the <laughs> poster for the Spartan Agogi. And she is the center of the poster. That's awesome. He is the poster child. For this <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, well, I took my camera all the way down here to show it, so you guys that. Well, Jamie, we want to be respectful of your time. Um, Sal, do you have any other last-minute question for Jamie before we let her 
go train. I'm assuming she's going to the gym or climbing a rope in her backyard or doing something. Or dragging cars down the street. I don't know. Put a lock on her back and carry it with her to the gym. No, just a comment, if anything. I mean, what you're doing is incredible. The fact that you're doing it with the challenges you have or the, I won't even say challenges, the concerns or obstacles you have to to deal with, I think is phenomenal. I mean, not, not very many people can say that. I mean, it's one thing to get out and do something like you've done. It's another thing to do it with the considerations you have. So my hat's off to you. Thank you. Yeah, Gina, Thank you. I'll second that. Uh, what you're doing is amazing. You're, you're an inspiration to anybody that has, has ever tried anything hard. I think it's outstanding. So I look forward to the time we get to meet again and, and hopefully hang out a little bit and, and see your cat. Yeah, we, <laughs> we definitely got to have you on again because you are literally the sham wow. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was really honored that Mark asked me to be a part of this. So I think what you guys are doing is great highlighting, highlighting people that do hard things, you know, to make a difference. So I'm Is everybody else still on? We just Mark. Fill in the gaps for Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she's so obviously having an internet connection uh, issue. But, but um, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we have always interviewed the top, top people in the industry, and James is the top. top. Dude, that's, she's a freaking amazing. Holy smokes. Yeah. I, I, you should have told me who she was when I got to meet her and hang out there a little bit. And I, I feel like yeah. I'm <laughs> asking some great questions. Get an autograph or something. <laughs> yeah. I needed a picture. I needed an autograph, a poster, something. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, that, she does come to the cabin from time to time, so maybe that will uh, we'll get Sal out here. Maybe Sal and Bill will actually come to the cabin once. I mean, I got to get invited first, but yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to do some work, man. I got some gloves, bro. <laughs> well, we've lost Jamie. We've got another guest coming up. I actually pushed him back 30 minutes, just so it'd be uh, at 11:30 our time, just in case. We yeah. Like, so I give everybody a chance to get a drink, use the bathroom, whatever. But okay. uh, to anybody listening, uh, thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach out to us. If you have an incredible guest you'd like us to interview, please let us know. You can reach out, all of us on Facebook. Go to OperationLimitless.com. You can pick up our website. You can LinkedIn. talk to people on LinkedIn. Everything's there. So we're on all the social networks. So until then, everybody have a limitless day.